This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. Hello, Notorious Bakersfield listeners. It's almost spooky season, my favorite time of year. And yes, Notorious Bakersfield's annual Halloween audio driving tour will be back. This year's all-new tour will take you to crime scene locations and spooky areas in Rosedale. The tour will be available for purchase beginning October 1st and run through the month of October. Keep an eye on Notorious Bakersfield's social media pages for links to purchase the tour beginning October 1st. For years, the psychiatric ward at Kern Medical Center was known as 3B. Today, that ward is now known as the Behavioral Health Unit. But for decades, it was known as 3B. This notorious Bakersfield story occurred there in 1979. The more I researched this story and the more I learned about it, the more furious I became. I had to keep reminding myself that this happened 44 years ago. I hope something like this can't happen today. This is Murdered at KMC. Raymond Hedge's challenges in life began before he ever took his first breath. His father, Eddie Hedge, died in a boating accident six months before Raymond's birth. Raymond Charles Hedge was born in 1958 in Bakersfield. He was the youngest of Luverne Hedge's five children. He suffered brain damage during birth, the effects of which weren't fully realized until he matured. As he aged, his handicaps became apparent. In addition to being almost completely deaf, Raymond was emotionally and mentally deficient. Raymond finished his education at age 17 graduating from a school for the deaf. And it wasn't until then that he himself began realizing how different he was. His mom, Laverne, said he had a mind of a child. She said he panicked easily. He'd become so scared that his hands would tremble so bad that she worried he'd have a nervous breakdown. She said her son didn't fit in with the rest of society, and that became more apparent after he finished school. He'd ask her, Mama, what's the matter with me? Raymond enjoyed simple things in life, like listening to music, especially the Beatles. He loved making those around him laugh. His favorite pastime was taking Polaroid pictures of family members and getting them to smile for the picture. By the time Raymond was 21, his mom, Luverne, realized he needed more care than she could provide. 
Raymond was a client of the Kern Regional Center, a local facility that provided care for adults with disabilities. Luverne was working with a counselor at Kern Regional Center to have Raymond placed in an inpatient care facility. Kern Regional Center didn't have that type of care, so they were looking for programs in other cities and towns. Laverne was concerned for her son's safety. She feared people who didn't understand Raymond would harm him. Raymond wasn't violent, and he never posed a threat to anyone. But he could be annoying, and Laverne was worried somebody would overreact to that. Raymond would visit the homes of neighbors to try to make friends, only to be rejected. And that's how all this started. On the afternoon of July 19, 1979, 21-year-old Raymond went to a neighbor's house. He was being a pest. He was being annoying. Wouldn't leave when the neighbor asked him to. I understand this was a regular occurrence with Raymond. The neighbor called the sheriff's office. When the deputy arrived, Luverne called the Kern Regional Center, but they didn't have any options available. The only thing that could be done was to take Raymond to 3B, Kern Medical Center's psychiatric ward. Raymond didn't want to go. He'd been to 3B before, and the experience was very unpleasant. But both the deputy and his mother were able to convince Raymond to go. They promised him that 3B would help him. They'd help him figure out what was going on. The deputy transported Raymond to Kern Medical Center. He was first seen in the hospital's emergency room for a physical evaluation to make sure Raymond wasn't suffering from some type of underlying medical condition. An ER doctor examined Raymond. He was medically cleared to be admitted to the hospital's 3B ward. The only injury the doctor noted Raymond had was a small scratch on his lip. And the scratch wasn't recent. It had already developed a scab. Raymond was admitted to KMC's psychiatric ward at 10 p.m. July 19, 1979. At 6 a.m. the next morning, Laverne Hedge received a phone call from a person identifying himself as a Kern Medical Center doctor. This doctor was calling to notify her that her son Raymond Hedge had died peacefully after being admitted to 3B. That was the only information divulged to Laverne Hedge on that 6 a.m. phone call, only that her son Raymond had died peacefully. At 4 p.m. that same day, Kern County Coroner Richard Gervais called to inform Laverne that her son had died as a result of blows to the head. July 20th, 1979 was a Friday. Raymond Hedge's body was released to his family later that weekend, after the autopsy was complete. It was discovered that Raymond suffered 13 to 15 bruises to the head. Both of his eyes were black. He was bleeding from his nose and mouth. It was determined death was caused by bleeding into the left side of Raymond's brain. Raymond's funeral took place just three days after his death. His brother said when the family viewed his body, 
Raymond was unrecognizable. His brother claimed the mortician had to use putty to reconstruct Raymond's face. This disfigurement was so extensive, the family was forced to have a closed casket funeral. Raymond was survived by his mother, Luverne, two brothers, and two sisters. Family Tales of KMC Horrors That was the headline that was published in the Bakersfield, Californian the day after Raymond Hedge's funeral. That's how Bakersfield learned about this shocking story. Bakersfield citizens were outraged. In that article, KMC's administrator, Joe Hummel, revealed that Raymond Hedge had been strapped to his hospital bed from 10.30 p.m. until he was found dead at 3 a.m. It was later revealed that not only were Raymond's wrists and ankles strapped to the hospital bed, but he was positioned face down on the bed. Hummel said it would only be speculation to conclude Raymond Hedge was beaten while he was strapped to the bed. He said there was documentation that showed 3B staff checked on Raymond every 15 minutes as required by law. I should mention here, when Raymond was discovered dead by hospital staff, the hospital didn't notify law enforcement. The hospital called the coroner's office first. When the coroner discovered Raymond's face punched in, the coroner notified Kern County Sheriff's Office. Homicide detectives began investigating Raymond's death. They questioned the hospital staff that was on duty when Raymond first arrived at 3B and the staff that was working when Raymond was found dead. I guess there had been a shift change during Raymond's stay, so hospital employees from both shifts were questioned by detectives. The Kern County Board of Supervisors, the government body responsible for the county-owned hospital, they held a closed-door meeting to discuss this matter. Having a secret meeting, shutting out the public and press, would have been a violation of the Brown Act. But they got around that by claiming Kern County was likely going to be sued by the Hedge family. So the Board of Supervisors was justified for having a closed-door meeting. The supervisors who spoke to the press afterwards said they were very concerned about what happened to Raymond Hedge and they were going to get to the bottom of it. They just needed to wait for the sheriff and district attorney to conclude their investigations. Back then, things were done differently. There was something called a coroner's jury. I've talked about it on previous episodes. This jury was a common occurrence decades ago in California counties. It was a public inquest where witnesses were questioned and evidence was presented to citizen jurors. After reviewing evidence and listening to witness testimony, the coroner's jury decides what type of death occurred. Homicide, manslaughter, justifiable homicide, accidental, what have you. They didn't always assign blame, but if there was overwhelming evidence that a suspect committed a crime, a coroner's jury would assign blame. Then it was the responsibility of the district attorney to build a case against that suspect. But if there were no suspects, then the jury simply decided what the manner of death was. A nine-person coroner's jury was assembled to consider this case regarding 
Raymond Hedge's death. They heard evidence for an entire day, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At the conclusion of this inquest, the coroner's jury found that Raymond Hedge's death was, quote, at the hands of another other than accident. This determination by the coroner's jury was a huge story in Bakersfield. But something happened after the coroner's jury concluded, something that many people considered was very suspicious. After the coroner's jury listened to this case and rendered their verdict, it was discovered that the audio recorder that was supposed to record every word of the proceedings, there was none. The machine malfunctioned. There was no audio record of any of the testimony given in that day-long inquest. The coroner's office contacted TV and radio stations that were there that day covering the proceedings to get their recordings. But what they had was limited. None of them recorded the entire jury proceedings. Four days after Raymond's death, three employees who were responsible for his treatment were fired. They were fired not because they bludgeoned Raymond to death, but because they didn't follow hospital procedure. One procedure they didn't comply with was calling a code blue when Raymond was discovered dead. And the other procedure they didn't follow was not rendering life-saving aid when Raymond was discovered not breathing. Oh, the logs that staff was supposed to fill out whenever they checked in on the patient, those, those logs that they were supposed to fill out every 15 minutes, those logs were falsified. When the results for Raymond's toxicology tests were complete, they showed he took a medication for seizure, a medication that thins the blood. The Kern County pathologist concluded that the medication was a contributing factor to his death. If he hadn't been taking that drug when he was beaten, Raymond wouldn't have had a brain bleed. The Kern County Grand Jury even began looking into this matter. The grand jury's function is very different than the coroner's jury. The grand jury conducts their hearings in secret. And because they're secret, nobody is supposed to know what goes on behind closed doors. And the grand jury does have the power to indict someone for a crime. Ultimately, the grand jury in this matter determined there wasn't enough evidence to charge anyone with a crime. Kern County's district attorney at the time was Al Letty. Since the grand jury didn't indict, the DA's options were limited. In the investigation by the sheriff's office and testimony from the coroner's jury, it was alleged that Raymond Hedge threatened the staff on duty at KMC. According to them, he became violent and lunged at them, and they struck Raymond, protecting themselves in self-defense. At the time, Ted Fritz, the publisher of the Bakersfield Californian, had a talk show on Channel 29. District Attorney Al Letty went on Ted Fritz's TV show and asserted that Raymond Hedge's death was unintentional. Whoever delivered those blows to his head, they were simply defending themselves. They never intended to kill Raymond Hedge. 
It's important to note here that both the sheriff's office and the coroner's jury established that only hospital staff had access to Raymond's room. It was locked. No other patients had access to it. Let me take a minute to review the details of this case. Raymond Hedge was taken to KMC at 5 p.m. July 19, 1979. Besides having some mental problems, he appeared to be in fine physical health. A KMC emergency room doctor checked him out. The only injury Raymond had at that time was a scratch on his lip that had already started healing. Raymond was admitted to KMC's psychiatric ward at around 10 p.m. He was restrained to his hospital bed at around 10.30 p.m. They did this, allegedly, because he became physically violent with staff. The only people who had access to Raymond's room were hospital employees. No other patients had access to the room. Raymond was discovered at 3 a.m. Someone called Raymond's mother three hours later and told her he died peacefully. Kern County Coroner discovered Raymond Hedge had been beaten about the head. Both of his eyes were black, he had 13 to 15 bruises on his head, and he was bleeding from his nose and mouth. The Kern County District Attorney determined Raymond Hedge's death was not a homicide because it was an unintentional death. From the very beginning, Raymond's mother, Luverne Hedge, threatened to sue Kern County. And she did. A few months after Raymond died, she filed a $1 million lawsuit. The Hedge family retained Bakersfield attorney, Timothy Lamucci. Lamucci was able to bring on renowned pathologist, Thomas Noguchi. Having conducted autopsies for many notable celebrities, Thomas Noguchi became known as the coroner to the stars. Hedge's body was exhumed from Greenlawn Cemetery for Noguchi to autopsy. Unfortunately, the second autopsy didn't reveal anything different than the first one. Nobody was ever charged for the killing of Raymond Hedge. I had to really dig to find out how that lawsuit was resolved. Uh, did it ever go to trial? Did they settle it? I discovered a newspaper article from Simi Valley from September 1981 that had the story. Laverne Hedge and Kern County settled out of court for much lesser amount than the $1 million she was seeking. They settled for $50,000. Typically, I try not to give my opinions on stories, but this one hit me hard, especially since nobody was ever held responsible for this poor young man's death. Raymond Hedge was killed in a hospital room, in a controlled environment. It shouldn't have been too difficult to determine which individual or individuals responsible, and I think they did. But as District Attorney Al Letty said, Raymond's death was unintentional. I believe that. I don't think whoever killed Raymond intentionally killed him. Like a reckless driver usually doesn't intend to kill someone. But when they do, they should be charged with manslaughter. 
Why wasn't the person or persons responsible for Raymond's death? Why weren't they charged with manslaughter? I don't know. Like I said at the beginning, this happened 44 years ago. I certainly hope this couldn't happen today. Resources used to research this story, the Bakersfield Californian, the Fresno Bee, and the Simi Valley Enterprise. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Until then, stay safe, stay out of trouble. Don't become a future episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. Have a good week.